remodeling an old manor house. Yeah, 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 boobs. Get to the next one. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. This would be the end of our look at Charles Band Productions. I am Josh Hadley. Cecil is unavailable this week due to family concerns, and Peter still has the technical issues. He should be back in the next week or two. We're crossing our fingers he gets this sorted out. Full Moon Maniac himself, Fred Fritz, is sitting in for this final chapter of Band Month. Hello! Really? I I give you a big full moon maniac intro and that's it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am heavily drugged tonight. And I don't mean that in illegal. (laughs) I don't mean on the illegal stuff. (laughs) Well, before we finish this look at full moon and that, and this one's going to be a little different than the other three we've done, but what you guys need to do is go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Last week, Cecil and I kind of finished up looking at Full Moon Entertainment. As with anything Charles Band does, what you see on the surface isn't necessarily everything. And he had a ton of sub-labels that weren't technically full moon, but for all intents and purposes were still full moon, even if they weren't called that. So we're going to take a quick look here at the sub-labels that Charles Band had that were sort of an adjunct to full moon. Did you get into any of these sub-labels, or were you just strict full moon? Well, there were a few, because to us growing up in the 90s, it was all Full Moon. You know what I mean? It it was always Charlie Band. It was pretty much the same thing, just each label played to a particular audience. So I never really thought of it as being necessarily not Full Moon. So I watched a few. I saw a few of the Moonbeam the family ones. I uh, probably saw more of those than any of the others. I saw one of the Monster Island films called uh, Zarkor. I saw that one. As far as the other stuff, uh, which come from different sources, I never saw, you know, any of the Edge Entertainment ones. Uh, well, that's not true. I saw part of Freeway 2. Um, if you've seen it, you know why I turned it off. But I've never seen, like, any of the Alchemy stuff, or I don't think I've seen any of the Torchlight. As, as Fred alluded to, these were kind of specialty labels where he could uh-huh. be like, you know, maybe a kid, you know, their mom's not going to let them let them rent Shrunken Heads or maybe even a Puppet Master movie. So he created, for instance, Moonbeam Entertainment, later called Pulse Pounders, but it's the same sub-label, which were kids' movies. They were still full-moon movies stylistically. They were still fantasy adventures, but they were all made for kids. I don't know if this is a sore spot for him. I didn't ask him about this, but all the years he made Empire films, all the years he made Full Moon films, the best seller he ever had, the most money he ever made on a single film, was for a Moonbeam film, for Prehysteria. You kind of got to go, that's a little insulting. 
Well, we know why Prehistoria did so well, though, because he struck while the iron was hot with the release of Jurassic Park. And dinosaurs This was Jurassic were... Park for kids. Yes, this was, Jurassic Park was everywhere, and no one was ready for it, and so really, Band was like the first to get in there with something dino-centric. And, and like I said, the best-selling, the best-selling tape he's ever made was 1993's Prehysteria. So, of course, mm-hmm. he followed that up with two sequels, and then there was the Josh Kirby Time Warrior series, which had six different movies, two Magic Mirror movies. He had things like The Search for the Jewel of Polaris and things like that. I was too old when these all came out in the mid to late 90s. If I were 12 years old, that Moonbeam Pulse Pounder stuff would have been right up my alley. Oh, definitely. I think his mistake was these really were for real young kids. Uh, I don't think that they were clever enough or sharp enough for that teenage range. He should have aimed for that sweet spot, and he kind of overshot it. But uh, there was a few in there that had a lot of charm. Dragon World, I think, was a genuinely charming movie. Prehysteria is okay. Those films got a little worse as they I went along. I never saw the sequel. I never saw either of the sequels to that one. Yeah, I saw Prehysteria 2, but I only saw parts of 3 when I worked at a video store. And we had it on in the background, and it didn't look very good, to be honest with you. Well, and then he also compensated by going the other direction, too, and created a softcore porn line. Now, remember, back pre-Empire, at Charles, just Charles Band Productions, he, he did hardcore porn films. So he decided he wasn't going to get into the hardcore hardcore market, but he created Torchlight Entertainment, which was basically softcore porn, but still in that full moon style. All of the Torchlight films, I've seen maybe half of them, really do feel like full moon films that just have a lot less story and a lot more boobs in them. Beach Babes from Beyond actually being pretty good. We'll talk more in a little bit about Test Tube Teens from the year 2000, which is arguably the wittiest one. It's got way more story in it than any of the others, and there's a reason for that. But stuff like Petticoat Planet, Lurid Tales, The Castle Queen, Huntress Spirit of the Night, these were softcore films. These were Cinemax, Skinemax style films with a sci-fi edge to them. Much like the Moonbeam, I think he also missed the mark with those two, honestly. You know, they weren't necessarily porn. By this point, I think that that market where guys would go and rent movies just for boobs really was not there anymore. Band overestimated that. That's probably why it didn't quite take off. And then he also created two sub two different sub labels that were trying to. I, I, this wasn't really cash in so much. He loved the old movies he grew up watching. Obviously, he wanted to make modern versions of those. So he wanted to make big Godzilla, King Kong type movies. So. He created Monster Island Entertainment, which only had two films in it, that Zarkor movie that you mentioned, and Kra, the sea monster. Mm-hmm. These were meant to be throwbacks to the giant creature features of the 50s and 60s. Stylistically, they just didn't work. Because at this point, the, the company's struggling a little bit. These things just don't have the budget. The really fake green screens, the, the really terrible effects. And if you were going for like a throwback, like a naked monster, like Ted Newsom's kind of throwback, that could work. Mm-hmm. These were not done as parodies or satires, though. And that's why I think they didn't work. He was almost too earnest but didn't have the money. I was very excited to see 
when he did the Film Monsters sublabel, that was supposed to be, we're going to take, he, I think he was trying to do like what Hammer did in the mm-hmm. 60s, where he was going to take the old classic Universal Monsters and make them for a 90s audience. And he only made two before that line collapsed, and that was Frankenstein Reborn and the Werewolf Reborn. And I know he had Dracula Reborn, and I think there was a Creature from the Black Lagoon one that was in pre-production. He wanted this to be like the classic monsters he grew up on. I have not seen Werewolf Reborn, but Frankenstein Reborn was awful. Green screen sets, clear props straight out of a Spencer Gifts, CGI fire. I I mean, I was so disappointed with Frankenstein Reborn, I just couldn't bring myself to try Werewolf. Well, before I say anything, let me just say up front, uh, because I don't want anyone to misconstrue, I, I really enjoyed the Charles Band era of films, and... They were cheeseball fun. But there's no doubt that the period we're talking about now, this is when the video market was clearly dying. Full Moon had lost their partnership with Paramount Pictures. The quality just, it just nosedived. And this, all of these films we're talking about, you can tell, are pretty much, not so much like the early Moonbeam, that was still when the Paramount deal was going on and things were good. But after that, when the Paramount deal fell apart, these were all acts of desperation. You can tell he's reaching for anything he can to revitalize the market. You know, Monster Island Entertainment, two films. Film Monsters, two films. You could tell he's, it's just a desperate act, and they feel like that. And that's the worst part. It's one thing to do something out of desperation in filmmaking, but the movies themselves cannot look like it. And then he also, and I mean, this to me is, it's very late 90s, and he's not the only one who did this, but when he created Alchemy Entertainment, which was a co-project with Big City, Big City Records, the the rap label, the R&B label, Mm -hmm. these were, quote, urban sci-fi and horror films. Ragdoll, The Horrible Dr. Bones, The Vault, and Crips with a Z. (laughs) These were all, you know what, I would call them modern blaxploitation, but they're just these things are as stereotypically bad as Leprechaun Back to the Hood. They're awful. They're they're genuinely awful. Again, I saw bits and pieces of most of these. I saw more of Ragdoll than any of them, which has some competency, maybe because Ted directed that, Ted Nicolau. The others... Oh, man. I forget if it was The Vault or Crips. Uh, I was at a friend's house, and I we couldn't do it. <laughs> We tried. We couldn't do it. And then we come to Edge Entertainment, which is basically where he picked up other people's films and in Mm -hmm. desperation released those, like Fred mentioned, Freeway 2. But then he had two other sub-labels that were all about nostalgia. He had Cult Video, which was all about re-releasing a lot of the old Empire films. I think that honestly did open up the at least the Empire films he retained rights to, to a new audience. Because this was the video boom was going strong when he had the cult video stuff. So I don't think cult video was a bad idea. And then Full Moon Grindhouse, I think, was a good idea, but it was miscalculated. Because first of all, he was about five years too late to exploit the whole Grindhouse thing from the Rodriguez Tarantino film. All the films released on Full Moon Grindhouse were not Grindhouse movies. They were all wizard video releases, and he would literally release the VHS versions, tape hits and all, no remastering, which is not a bad thing. It does give a nice piece of nostalgia, but he should have tried to exploit the then very popular 
look back at the video store and the nostalgia over that, I, I think calling it Full Moon Grindhouse was its biggest mistake for that one. It's too bad because, you know, you look at a lot of this stuff. When you think about stuff like Asylum, these guys are totally aping what guys like Charlie Band used to invent as a lark. It, it always seems like you just said it's either too early or too late for that sweet spot. And, you know, stuff like Craw and uh, Zarkor would have fit perfectly into the whole Sharknado, two-headed shark kind of arena. Those actually would have fit perfect today with the King Kong movie coming out, the Godzilla movies. Well, the research shared universe. Yeah, yeah. Th- those actually just did not fit in 1998. They would have fit perfectly in 2018. Well, that's just it. It seems like he's always just too early or too late. It's not, well, obviously quality is an issue with some of these. Let's remove that element for a moment, you know, and just say, you know, something doesn't have to be good. The ideas, you mean. Yeah, just the concepts, the types of releases. He, he, He was just too early for many of these. It's a shame because that, all of that stuff would have fit perfectly in there. He could have capitalized on it, but he just missed it. That's all. And it may sound like we're bashing Charles Band here. No, I'm not. If you listen to the other previous episodes, you know we very much respect what the man did. I just think these later years were not so good, as Cecil and I discussed last week. Now we're going to look at, and there's a lot to go through here, all of the Empire and Full Moon films that we didn't get to see. One of the things you can never say about Charlie Band is that he lacked vision. He would plan films. I mean, people think it, it's crazy with the Marvel Universe being planned into like 2027. Band was doing that back in the 80s, man. He had movies set up, the whole Empire thing, 2000 films by the year 2000. He wasn't kidding about that. With a little help from the Tomb of the Unproduced Horror Movie website, we're going to look at all of the Empire and Full Moon films that never got made for one reason or another. Or, in a few cases, did get made, but not the way that they were originally supposed to. Now, for brevity's sake, because some of these things were pitched multiple times in multiple years with posters and whatnot, we're going to go alphabetical rather than chronological, so we will be skipping between Empire and Full Moon as we go back and forth here. One of the things Band did, and he got this from Roger Corman back at AIP. Remember, Fred, how at AIP you'd come up with the poster and the title first, mm-hmm. then you would try to sell that, or, mm-hmm. or like with what Lloyd Kaufman would do, and Canon, you sell it based on the poster, then you make the movie? That's what that's what Band did here. So a lot of these things had posters made up. They, they, they had posters in variety. I've got some ad slicks for some of these. He had these things totally planned, and for whatever reason, they couldn't get get enough pre-sales so the movies didn't get made. So we don't know if they would have been any good. We're going to look at what we think they might have been. Like 1985 Empire Era, Alter Ego. It was going to be directed by Peter Peter Moynihan and written by Danny Bilson. It was the intergalactic theater of terror is about to be canceled. And it shows like a man in black threatening a lizard man with a straight razor. And I'm like, you know what? I would totally go see a movie with that poster. Yeah, it it looks like fun, and it definitely looks like it fits into that time period of Empire Pictures. You know, after the success of Trancers, obviously, I think Band was gearing, oh, look, there's an audience here. And again, everything was just too late and just didn't go happen. Then we have another one, which I don't know any, I cannot find any information whatsoever. I have an original ad slick for Arsenal. I don't even know what year this would have been. The poster, it's got no text on it, no credited director or anything. Some of these do. It's an island 
with the logo Arsenal written on it with a bunch of rockets and guns shooting out of it. And it just says, the Monumental War Machine. I have no idea what that was supposed to be about. <laughs> do, do, is it just me, or does this have an ex, the Exterminators vibe to it? It kind of does, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see it the really Exterminators. Does. I could see them you know, coming back together to fight Arsenal. And then we go to, now this one, I am really pissed off we didn't get to see, and I'd like to know the backstory of why not. 1989's Apparatus. It's described as a futuristic thriller that was written and directed by Larry freaking Cohen about a big brother type controlling the masses through an apparatus attached to their bodies. That one only didn't get made because Empire failed at that point. That's when they went into bankruptcy. A Larry Cohen sci-fi thriller about Big Brother? I'd totally be on board with that one. Just because I adore Larry Cohen, yes, I greenlight it right now. Heck, let's get the money together. Let's bankroll this film today. Let's make it happen. Come on, Larry, you can still do it. And then we've got one, and as I said, some of these would get made. Back in the Empire days, he tried to make a movie called Battle Bikes. Whoever rides it rules the city, and it's this big futuristic dystopia. That movie didn't get made until years later during Full Moon. He even literally reused the poster art and reused the script. It became Murder Cycle. So Battle Bikes still kind of got made. By the way, I love on the poster that the, the cycle is battling Blue Thunder. I, I love that. It's battling. Hey, this was like 1986. That was totally in, man. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. And then we've got like Battle Fiends from 1990. This one also was when Empire collapsed. It didn't get made. It was supposed to be a comic book influenced look at robots battling teenage superheroes. I don't know if that would have worked in 1990. Mid-90s, maybe. 1990, I don't know about that one. This one just sounds vague. It it it, it seems looking at the poster, this feels very slapped together. 1986 Barbarian Women, which was all we know about it is it was a sword and sorcery movie, very Frazetta-ish looking poster of a uh-huh. fem- two female barbarians with bow and arrows fighting a giant orc while another one is riding a horse. I, I can already tell this would be Cecil approved. Charles Band didn't do fantasy straight out very often, so I have a feeling that was probably going to be post-apocalyptic too, because he <laughs> loved his post-apocalypse in Empire, didn't he? That's that's a safe bet. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. Because he doesn't, he never did straight up Conan, Robert E. Howard, Edgar Rice Burroughs style fantasy very often. I think the closest you could say is Dungeon Master, and even that's got like the sci-fi edge to it. So yeah. And, and then there was so, then there was supposed to be a sequel to Robot Jocks. Because remember, Robot Wars is technically not a sequel, even though it kind of is, and Carish and Burn is technically not a sequel, but it kind of is. Uh-huh. It was going to be Battle Jocks in 1994. This one, I don't know why it fell apart, but this one was actually teased in one of the Full Moon Video Zones and then for whatever reason never came about. Robot Jocks in and of itself is one of those, it's such a strange animal. We know now that it was two two different visions and they kind of were battling. One wanted to do a serious movie, the other wanted to do something more satirical. And it's sort of a strange animal itself. I would love to see one of those visions kind of come to fruition and maybe Battle Jocks would have been that. And then this one, okay, this is a weird one. Ghoulies was made in 1985. Prior to that, and you gotta remember, this is 1983 we're talking about here, so this is before Gremlins. He had a movie called Beasties 
in production, which has been nicknamed Ghoulie Zero. Stan Winston was on board to do the Beasties animatronics and all that. It fell apart, and it was not the same script later turned into Ghoulies, but it was the same basic idea. So 1983's Beasties is kind of a Ghoulies prequel that never got made, and it would not have been looked at as a Gremlins ripoff considering it would have been made a year earlier. Again in the Empire era, 1986's Berserker. This would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stuart Gordon. All we know is the poster has got a giant mutant guy tearing another giant mutant guy's arm off. And then we've got, because he had the best of sex and violence on the Wizard Video label, remember where he had the Carradines that basically just showed all the gore and boob scenes? He had another one of those made. Apparently, they shot more scenes with John Carradine for whatever reason, the video was never put together. Then we didn't get, I enjoyed Assault of the Killer Bimbos, despite how much its director hates what Charlie Band did to it. There was a sequel plan, Bimbo Barbecue in 1989, which, of course, anytime I say 1989 or 1990, that's when Empire fell apart. Do you think a sequel to Assault of the Killer Bimbos could work? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, it was still, at that time period, it was a a viable market for that kind of movie. Uh, the only problem with the original that I have is there's just these long, boring stretches. The rest of it's, it's like one of those movies that's worth getting through those for the good stuff. Uh, so I, I think it would have done fine. I, I think it was still a viable enough market. It would have done very well. It was still before the death of home video. So yeah, I think it would have done very well. And Bimbo Barbecue was even teased, you know, Buckaroo Banzai style at the end of Assault of the Killer Bimbos. So this one, just something happened. But remember, Remember, the director and Charlie Band really did not get along. Back into the Empire era, we have Bloodless. Don't know anything about this except its poster. Its poster is a bunch of Lovecraftian-looking creatures that seem to be formed out of rocks haunting a, a couple. And the tagline is, Stone into flesh, innocence into fear, day into nightmare in a place called Monster Park. This was a, a fully written script. It was written by a, a man named Ed Naha. And obviously the film did not happen, and he went to band. Uh, this was, I believe, like after the – or like just when Empire was beginning to crumble, and he asked if he could have the rights to the script to turn it into a novel. And he did release it as a novel. It's called Breakdown, and the plot summary is this. Jeff McQueen, a struggling writer who finds solace from the death of his young son in the bottle, must pull himself together when strange and menacing forces in a small New England town threaten his daughter. Now, from the poster, someone else told me this that actually talked to a Mr. Naha, or read the book. I'm sorry, actually read the book. Apparently, they kidnap his daughter and take her into the underworld. So that's what you're seeing there. Okay. Yeah. And then... This one's a little bit weird because it never got made, but it kind of did by somebody else, but borderline plagiaristically. So we got 1987's Bloody Bess, which would be Stuart Gordon making a female pirate movie. It was going to star Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs. It never got made for various reasons. Empire's financial problems, most likely. But remember, Empire was working with Rennie Harlan at this time. Rennie Harlan apparently... Like I said, it's not plagiarism, but lifted large portions of the script for 1995's Cutthroat Island. So Bloody Bess kind of got made by Rennie Harlan, though? <laughs> Kinda? I, I have to say, Cutthroat Island's not as bad as everybody says it is, but I have to say, I think I would have rather seen Bloody Bess. We have The Bottled City of Shandar. This movie didn't get made. It was supposed to be in the Empire era. 
but it did because the same concept with a different script was later made as a full as a as a Pulse Pounders title, the children's line, as The Shrunken City in 1998 Mm -hmm. by Ted Nicolaou. So Bottled City of Shandar kind of got made. Well, and then Charles Band had Head of the Family. That was supposed to have a sequel, which, you know, obviously going off the Frankenstein roots of Head of the Family was Bride of the Head of the Family. Mm -hmm. Never got made. It was, uh, again, Video Zone teased it. I don't know why it never happened. Well, Especially because Head of the Family is really fun. And you know what? Of the quirky ones, that's the one I don't like. I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm alone on that one, but I didn't like it. But I know Band in a not too long ago vidcast said uh, they were going to move ahead with making this now. So we'll see. I don't know how that's possible with the, their budgets now. I, I don't. But uh, a lot of fans would uh, welcome it. Well, and then we got one that I at least want to read the script for, because this one had a lot of talent behind it, and at the time, a good idea. In 1986, it was a movie called Cassex, and the poster is a pretty girl wearing just shorts, although her nipple is covered, on a VHS tape, and it says, become a Cassex object. So clearly it was some kind of virtual reality VHS thing, but the poster also lists the script by Gregory Wyden, the man who would go on to write the script for Highlander and create that. And there is a script registered at the U.S. Copyright Office for 1986, Cassex. So this one was written and for whatever reason wasn't made. I kind of want, I have an original ad slick for this one. And you know what? With the nostalgia for VHS, Cassex could actually work today. Yes, yes, I, I do say so. I, I think it could work. Uh, I got to say something about this poster, though. This this poster is killing me. First of all, we we know why this film wasn't made because that tagline, first of all, become a cassex object. You know, the only thing that would make this funnier is if it said starring Anita Skarkeesian. It's it's a it's, funny title. It's a funny subtitle, it, though. It is, but you know, you know, this would not fly. It would well, not the, the alternate block. subtitle, the alternate subtitle in a different poster is, is it real or is it cassex? <laughs> it never got made. And then we had one, I, I don't have a year on this, but it was just called The Colony. And it was uh, dressed in modern day clothing, surrounded by men in business suits, burning a witch at the stake. Maybe something with with yuppie witches or warlocks or something. That's literally all I know about the colony. I think this one also got made as a different title, uh, the one about the amulet. And I can't think of the name of the one of those buried full moon movies that nobody watched. Well, and and then we've got one. I have an ad slick for this one too. Crime Lord. Crime Lord was definitely, this was a 1985 one, this is right around Trancers, you look at this poster, you tell me this is this guy is not supposed to be a Jack Death knockoff. It shows a bunch of cars on fire and this guy in a in a trench coat with mirrored glasses and a, an old noir hat holding up this futuristic laser gun in front of the Golden Gate Bridge and it's the violent rise and fall of a powerful and corrupt man. I got to say, I love the poster actually above it, the, the 1940s one. This just screams my kind of movie right here. This is – both of them do actually because I like the tough guy detective characters. So this one's right up my alley. No, no, like I said, I've got an ad slick for, for this one. I'm trying to get all those ad slicks framed because, man, they're just they, – uh, These are. These are. Uh, I missed out when Charlie Band was selling a lot of these um, on uh, eBay, and that's a shame. Then we didn't get Creepazoids 2. Now, personally, I enjoy Creepazoids, but this was supposed to bring David Dakota back, and for whatever reason, it just never happened. No loss there. 
And then we have one, this was supposed to be a big one. This was one that, that Empire was pushing so hard. I'm really surprised that Decapitron in 1986 never got made. Cause I remember seeing this poster actually advertised, you know, usually these posters were advertised in variety or industry town of magazines to try and drum up interest. I remember seeing this poster actually in Starlogs and Fangoria's. So something happened at the last minute that stopped Decapitron. This was, about a robot with interchangeable heads, such as a razor blade head and a laser gun head. Something had to happen, because like I said, I saw this poster everywhere, and then for the movie not to get made, that was weird. Also, uh, the Full Moon Video Zone band actually did announce this one, so he he had even announced it. But Decap- they had built the model and everything for this. Band not wanting to waste anything, this became the next new puppet in the Puppet Master series, when they did uh, Puppet Master 4 and 5 together, Decapitron is one of the, the new puppets. I still wanted to see Decapitron. I have an ad slick for this one, too. Oh, I'd still want to see the movie made. I'm just saying he did actually technically create Decapitron. Just, it was in Puppet Master now. And then we had, remember in, the, in 1988 when that really good remake of The Blob came out, Charlie Band wanted to get on top of that. <laughs> the title's a little on the nose, but The Dirty Filthy Slime Never Got Made. A film about politics. And then we got, okay, this this one's really bizarre. Okay, you know, he, how years later at Full Moon, he would make Dr. Mordred, which was kind of yes and no Dr. Strange. <laughs> a lot of people forget that for a while, even though the movies didn't get made, Jack Kirby worked for Band at Empire. Jack Kirby created Dr. Mortalis, and it was an original Jack Kirby creation of a super, of a, a supernatural superhero that was going to be part of Empire. And it's like, holy crap, that would have been great. And looking at the poster, I mean, there's not a whole lot of art here, but man, Kirby's style just jumps out at you. Oh, definitely. No disputing that at all. And then we go to Dollmaker. Man, he man, he loved his dolls. But this is right when Full Moon was starting, so I have a feeling, especially with David Dakota slating to direct Dollmaker in 1990, I, I think this was either meant to be a quickie sequel or a, or a cash-in of his own Puppet Master movie. Well, now, that could be... I also heard that this might actually be a follow-up to Dolls. Dolls 2 is the follow-up to Dolls, which is the next on our list, where Stuart Gordon was going to return. Okay, well, I just think that's what I had heard before this page, all right? That's that's all I'm going by. I'm not saying I'm right. <laughs> well, and then I mentioned earlier how even though Werewolf Reborn and Frankenstein Reborn didn't make it, he had plans for a Dracula Reborn, which never got made. The poster art looks like it could have fit in one of the Tomb of Dracula comic books from Marvel in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You mentioned Dragon World for Pulse Pounder's Moonbeam. There was a Dragon World sequel that never got made. Uh Then we had one for Empire that was called Dream Invaders, which, you know, clearly Nightmare on Elm Street inspired, especially since it was going to be around 86 or so. I think this one maybe still kind of got made. I I, I can't remember the years, but didn't Dakota make Dream Maniac, which would kind of be Dream Invaders because it's the same basic plot? And then we've got Dreams in the Witch House where Stuart Gordon and Brian Usner were going to do this. Uh, Again, this was... This was another H.P. Lovecraft story. Stuart Gordon didn't make this for Empire. 
but he did years later for the mm-hmm. Showtime series Masters of Horror. He actually did make Dreams in the Witch House, and it was pretty damn good, too. It was okay. It was okay. That was when Gordon was taking those old Full Moon projects and adapting them outside that and Dagon. And then we've got 1989's Entangled, which all we all we really know is it's got a skeletal hand holding up a booklet that says Empire International Entangled. And this, again, 1989, right when Empire's financial problems were at their peak, so that's most likely why this didn't get made. We've got Fear.com. Now, this is not to be confused with the idiotic Fear.com.com that came out years, that came out later that year. Nor is this to be confused with Horror Vision, which Full Moon did release a year after this. This was supposed to be, this, this one was actually announced in a full moon video zone again and for whatever reason didn't happen at least as fear.com i have a feeling with horror vision being made shortly thereafter and coming out that this actually got made as horror vision and then we've got one not really anything is known about this but 1987's fiends the tagline is what are what are friends for if you can't use them? And it shows a woman trapped in a giant spider web with eyes looking at her and big metallic H.R. Giger looking spider legs coming at her. And she's very scantily clad. Yeah, they kind of look like worms. I think those are supposed to be spider legs. I, I agree, but they're they're weird looking spider legs. This one, you know, 1991 Empire could have pulled this off. Because this is, you know, around the era of Oblivion and stuff. The first voyage of Endor. This was described by band as Sinbad meets Star Wars. Ted Nicolau was going to direct. That poster, it's a little crowded, but that really could have been fun from a 1991-era full moon. Yeah, it wouldn't have looked like that. Probably for Torchlight. In 2001, he announced Flesh TV, which was about two horny aliens taking control of Earth's TV waves to share their favorite pastime with the rest of the world, which are naked humans having sex. Doesn't that sound a little like an adult version of Bad Channels? It kind of does. And that maybe what he was ab- you know trying to do he was yeah. trying to maybe make a softcore version of bad channels well did bad channels come this is 2000 oh wait 2001 this never is mind. 2001 bad never channels mind. is way prior to this i was thinking 91 never mind yeah yeah okay we're still at empire but we're in the financial problems era toby hooper was going to make one called floater nobody knows what this was about but it was just called floater and then toby hooper left when the financial problems came about so whatever it floater got flushed and then 1995 so full moon we have Forbidden Island, Fantasy Island, gone to hell. And it's got, a, it's got like a castle with lightning and a woman, a ghostly woman with a big flowy white dress and the dress is turning into a giant skull. And I'm like, you know what? This looks like it could have been a Hardy Boys book cover in the it, ni- late 1970s, doesn't it? it? It's obviously going for that Hammer vibe. But oh, yeah. the thing is, is that you look at this and all you could think of is that all that's missing is starring Fabio. Well, and then we got another one that I'm guessing this was another Pulse Pounders one. At the end of the Dragon World video zone, he announced 1994's Genie. Never happened. That's all we know about it. Some of these did get made later. He announced the Ginger Dead Man in 2001, and the pre-production art is quite different than what we ended up with. So Ginger Dead Man did get made, but not the way it was supposed to. Judging from that artwork, it looks like it may have been a step up. Remember how the alchemy stuff was urban? The Grim Rapper was announced. (laughs) I'm just glad that did not make it. I don't know, uh, Josh. I think we may be missing an opportunity on this one. Uh, This might have been a Rift Tracks exclusive. 
it's specifically written this way back in the Empire era, 1986's Headhunter with H-E-A-D written in lowercase and HUNTER written all in caps. Yeah, that looks I don't awful. know if that's supposed to exemplify something or not. I don't know. Yeah, that's really bad. That Somebody thought they were being clever, and they weren't. Well, and then there was supposed to be another comedy. Another comedy in the style of Buy and Sell and the Caller, which was Hotel Dick. And it shows a, a dead body with a toe tag on it that says, Do Not Disturb. Because... That says hotel detective, right? Completely. I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that I, one. I don't either. That's, I mean, the, the movie, I kind of like Buy and Sell. It's like a, a bad comedy. Oh, Buy and, and Sell's not too bad. No, but, no, it's, but it's a, it's like, it's so bad, it's good, fun kind of thing. Yeah. And that, you could only guess what this would have been. And then we've got this one. Again, I mentioned this one did kind of get made, but Huntress, Huntress Spirit of the Night was originally supposed to be a non-softcore Empire film just called Huntress in 1986. It took him an extra nine years to actually make that. 1993, again, this was announced in a video zone. Hybrids never got made for whatever reason. This is right, this is actually pre-Empire, so this would still be Charles Band Productions. Ted Nicolau was going to write and direct what he called, quote, the most ferocious story of revenge ever filmed. 1980s, I eat cannibals. The tagline is, the only victim of a cannibalistic slaughter to ever survive and return. I have to say, I love this poster, uh, this drawn poster. This is this is near brilliant. But are you? It's very much in the style of the police academy, the first police academy completely. poster. Completely. And is it just me, or does this concept remind you a little of Troma's War? It really. But this is five years pre-Troma War. I know. That's why I'm asking because I don't know. This one's a little suspicious where it was called I Eat Cannibals, a commando comedy, and the tagline in this poster was The Macho Maniacs of Mercenary You. Hard as nails, mean as snakes, dumb as apes. Oh, what could have been, right? I, I, I'd hang that poster up. I don't know what they were thinking with this one. Now, 1988, they announced a film called Intruder, which is literally the exact same poster art with a, a different title, as the entangled poster with the the skeletal hand holding it up, but at the same time, this one says to be directed by Toby Hooper. So this intruder is not to be confused with the Night Crew, the Sam Raimi, Scott Spiegel movie that was released as Intruder by Empire. Because, way to make it easy to follow, right, Charlie? Yeah, I think the whole thing with the skeleton, this is just a splash page. They probably use this for a lot of things. And then another one, it has the Shriekers thing on it, so this is probably going to be a kid's Pulse, Pulse Pounders film, but Invisible Invader from Dimension X. Yeah. It shows like a, it shows like, like a demon materializing through a wall at two kids reading comic books. Honestly, kind of looks like a little bit of fun. Yeah, I, and the title. Come on, that title's great. Now, I've got an ad slick for this one. I don't know anything about it. Very H.R. Giger, Journeys Through the Dark Zone in mm-hmm. 1986. Very H.R. Giger, very much outer space on another planet. The tagline is, sometimes inner space can be more terrifying than outer. That's a beautiful poster, isn't it? That's gorgeous. I, I really like this poster. I, I Again, I'd hang this one up. I have an ad slick for that one. I'm looking for a frame for it because the ad slicks are really weird sizes, so I might have to get customized frames for those. I I don't know this, but given the year it was meant to take place, I think LABC 
got turned into Mutant Hunt. I don't know that for sure, but the tagline is whacked out mutants on a rampage without credit cards. <laughs> L.A. and then written in like in pencil, B.C. So I think this became Mutant Hunt. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Laser Blast 2 got made as Deadly Weapon, mm-hmm. but he announced it as Laser Blast 2, the ultimate alien weapon is back. I have an ad slick for that one. And then we've got, this is back to the Empire era, I don't know anything what the story would be, but Leather Babies. Billy is 10 years old, Billy is a leader, and Billy knows the secret. Leather Babies. And it's got like a demon guy in a motorcycle jumping in over a flame pit while like a huntress looking chick is standing next to this kid in normal clothes. And you're like, what the hell is this? I have to say, out of all the ones we've discussed, this one more than any of the others has me intrigued beyond just i want to know i want to know this story if there's a script i want to read it and is there any hope to still get it made (laughs) this is really intriguing and then we've got again for the torchlight line lolita 3000 another soft core that never got made Stuart gordon's lurking fear which was supposed to be made in 88 again that's probably why uh you know that's right when the financial problems were coming in we got 1986's maximum thrust and again 1986 we're working with jack kirby again mind master this one was supposed to be another because apparently charles band wanted to launch a superhero line of of movies but since he didn't have the money to license them screw it i'll just make my own by the way this is uh very oh and i see it now it says it this is very mandroid as I pointed out earlier with Dra- with Dracula Reborn not getting made, there was a Mummy Reborn that never got made. Hand Evil. This was another Gorman Gorman Betchar. This is the guy behind Cemetery High, Psychos in Love, Assault of the Killer Bimbos. For some reason, for a guy who hated Charles Band immensely, kept working for Charles Band. But he was going to make 1987's Hand Evil. All the deadly sins in one scintillating, S-I-N-tillating package. And not Poster gr- looks fun, honestly. No, and it won't, and I'm sure given his other titles, it wouldn't have been very serious. And then there was supposed to be a sequel to Parasite, original, you know, just called Parasite 2, which again, going for 3D, 27 floors of living, creeping, shocking 3D terror, Parasite 2. And, and I have to say, I find it interesting, there's an ATM on that wall over there. That's a brave choice completely different puppet master there was a completely discarded script by kenneth j hall so who knows what that would have been Uh then then there was a puppet master versus demonic toys that was supposed to be made i mean we kind of got that later but this one was supposed to star Corey feldman in 93 for for whatever isn't that around the same time Dollman versus Demonic Toys came out? So maybe they just changed the script a little. Very well could I think Dollman versus Demonic the Toys poster came Poster art's out. even close too. Yeah, I think it came a little later. Well the post that's the yeah, that that was the official one. I remember when it was announced and obviously I mean it got made as a sci fi movie. Now we go back to the Empire era, we have Quadrant. Now, all we know about this one, there's no information, there's no cast information or director or anything. It's just Quadrant, and it shows a submarine coming through like a time portal or a dimensional portal amongst all these ruins on the bottom of the ocean. 
And I'm like, Empire maybe could have made something cool out of that. Yeah, this is one of those things where you look at the poster and right away your first thought is there's no way they could have afforded it. So if they had made it in the full moon era, it would have looked like Krah. Last week, Cecil and I both said we kind of enjoyed Seed People. Well, there was a sequel planned, Seed People 2. Uh, it just... Really? I hate seat people. I hate it with a passion. Another torchlight, another softcore porn, which would be sensuous spirits. This one was supposed to be a work crew accidentally brings about old spirits who are very, very horny while they're remodeling an old manor house. Yeah, 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 boobs. Get to the next one. The next one, now this one, again, like I said about Decapitron, I am really surprised Shadow Over Innsmouth never got made. And it was, it, they had started advertising this in, in the Empire era in 85, and then in 91, I saw these, this poster art on the back of every sci-fi and horror magazine for maybe a year. Mm -hmm. They were trying really hard to get Shadow Over Innsmouth made, and for whatever reason, it just didn't. Yeah, this was going to be band's big push to return to the Empire style. What a shame it didn't happen. I mean, the movie did technically happen, that's Dagon, but this uh, version... I, I really wish had happened. I really do. Even before Oblivion would do the sci-fi western thing, in the, in the Empire era, he tried to make 1986's Shoot to Kill. All we know about it is it was a sci-fi western, and maybe this is where he got the idea to have Peter David write Oblivion for him later in the Full Moon era. Maybe, but as I covered in back my movie Apocalypse days, science fiction and westerns and horror and westerns always fail. I don't know why. I liked Oblivion. I didn't say that it was a bad, it just saying it, but it failed financially. It failed big time. And for some reason, when you mix Western with another genre, they just don't sell. And I don't know why. Well, and then in 1986, Peter Moynihan again was going to direct Show No Mercy on a mission of vengeance that takes them to the point of no return. They must show no mercy. And it shows like this submarine with guns everywhere mm -hmm. coming out of like an undersea base and then you've got like a big strong man twisting a bar you've got a indiana jones style adventurer lighting dynamite off of a cigar and you've got this like black stereotype brother voodoo kind of guy in a top hat yeah and, and I, I i'm getting a vibe with that arsenal poster too exactly it's the same style for the sub and everything yes and the guy in the middle he sort of looks like don johnson meets powers booth and then we were supposed to get a, a sequel to Shrieker, which we never did. This one, we kind of did, although the script was different. Space Sluts in the Slammer was eventually made as Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. I'm going to go right on record. Those are both great titles. <laughs> Subtitled Subtle. For Space for space Sluts in the Slammer, the tagline was, Beyond the Outer Limits, they're bound and determined. Ha ha ha, bound Oh, this is this is the kind of this is the type of title why you can't take your mom to the video store when you want to pick up a movie. <laughs> this, it's movies like this that exist. She sees that and she thinks all of them are like that. Thanks a lot, Charlie Band. And then he he was trying to make a haunted house style adventure called Spook House in 1990, which would have been an early full moon film. Just never happened. Knowing Charlie, though, I really hope that was Ghost she's referring to. And, and then we've got one from the Empire era, Strange Magic. The king is the king of evil is dead. Long live the queen. And this has got a lot of reused po poster. Another woman, ghostly woman in a flowing white gown coming out of the mouth of a skull. Yeah, a very black magic vibe going on. We did get a subspecies too. There was a video zone, it might have been for the first subspecies, that had a subspecies too 
pimped where it was going to take place in San Francisco. Something major happened that we didn't get this subspecies to. Probably for the best. Well, one of the things about subspecies is they're so low budget. Unlike some of their other movies, this is where the Romanian locations just worked 100% in the film's favor. Well, and there was also, speaking of subspecies, supposed to be a subspecies 5, which would be a prequel to the first film. After how bad 3 and 4 were, it's probably better they just left it alone. Yeah. Man, he really loves little puppety kind of things. We've got the Subterraneans back in the Empire era. When our world has gone to hell, theirs is waiting. And it's got these little Planet of the Apes looking monkey suit guys, but they're all tiny because it takes like five of them to carry this woman whose clothes are falling off of her down a flight of steps with skulls all around. And I'm like, I'm intrigued. You know, I've always heard that Charlie grew up on film sets because of his dad. Do you think like his dad denied him the opportunity to play with toys? And so as a filmmaker, he just sort of got his revenge. Uh, And then we've got another one that was pimped in the Dragon World video zone, which was just called, you know, again, this was a kid's title, but but it was called Teeny Weenies. Nothing known about that, so okay. And then we've got, remember I mentioned Test Tube Teens of the Year 2000 in 1994. That was supposed to have been made during the Empire era in 1988. So considering how heavily 90s that movie is, it's a very 90s movie, I have to assume that the 1988 version would have been very, very different. I think it would have been in the same vein as Dr. Alien. And then in the Empire era, we had the unmade The Tomb. It's got a poster with two guys fighting with knives over a girl that's handcuffed to a giant idol surrounded by Aborigine stereotypes being stalked by a panther. It's a pretty busy poster. (laughs) And it says, the jungle that surrounds them, the passion that overpowers them, the ritual that makes them prisoners of The Tomb. Obviously, I don't know anything about this, but I'm kind of glad it didn't get made. (laughs) And then we have another, and again, knowing how Charles Band wasn't that big into fantasy, this was probably post-apocalyptic, another cash-in on maybe Conan the Destroyer this time, this was Volcana in 1986, in a time of sorcery in a land under conquest in the hands of one woman, Volcana, and it shows a very Red Sonia-ish chick riding on a giant wolf, knocking down, she's like literally holding up like a giant orc while a bunch of other ones look on in awe. We end up pretty much with 1989's unmade Zombie Hotel, which was supposed to be directed by Ted Nicolau. Spend a night with the living dead in the Zombie Hotel. Once again, what's the plot? You know, it's a a neat poster, but what's the plot? Well, and then we have some other ones that were started, and for whatever reason, they didn't have enough money to finish. So these are not technically unmade. We've got, like... 2005's The Cutters Club, 2003's Deadly Stingers. We have a third Famalian movie, Return to the Future in 2001. The very famous Primevals, which Charlie still insists someday will get finished. He insists Primevals will get done. We've got Pulse Pounders, which was an anthology film from Empire, which technically is not been finished, but all of the anthology segments have, and they've all been released as short films, kind of on Pulse Pounders, maybe. Well, not Dr- not Dungeon Master 2. That still hasn't seen the light of day yet. Well, okay, most of them. Yeah. This whole month has been looking at Charlie Band and why I love his films. Now, obviously, I have had some people say that, that this whole look at him is basically me sucking Charles Band's dick for a month. I've actually had that criticism. It's like, did you guys listen to all of the criticisms I had of his films, his works, and some of the sleazy things he's done? I, I'm, I did this. I decided to do this 
this month on him because I grew up on Charles Band's films probably more than any other specific movie company. More than Canon, more than New World, more than New Concord, more than any other company. Band's films, Empire and then Full Moon, were such huge parts of my childhood. That's why I wanted to do this. But it also, go back and listen. We are not just praising the man. I'm also calling out the dumb things I think he did too. Well, I I think that... Again, this is something that's hard to sometimes get across to a different generation. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just if you weren't there, if you didn't experience something, it's difficult to explain it. Everything is done through the Internet now, you know, and people get their inspirations from people off the Internet. They get their information off of people off the Internet. When we were growing up, Full Moon was one of the few, and more than canon, to have an identity, okay? Empire Pictures and Into Full Moon, they had more of an identity than any other film group that was around. You could watch just about any one of their movies, and you pretty much knew what you were going to get. Charlie was one of the few filmmakers that had, like you said, an identity, and he reached out to his fans. Those Full Moon video zones were all about giving you something that the other companies wouldn't give you. And you pop in any full moon videotape, you've got a good 20 minutes to sometimes a half hour of trailers on after that for other full moon product. He was engaging with us as an audience, not not like, okay, you bought the product, that's all you get. Yeah, he. It, it, in fact, this was before uh, the big, you know, Laserdisc push when extras started to become a thing. Band was doing that before everybody else too. These things, he was a pioneer. He was a pioneer in ways that others weren't. You know, I see people today, all they do is crap on the guy and they forget how influential he was on everything, not just a couple of things, on everything. I don't know if we'll ever get the old era back. My bet is no, but he doesn't have to. He's already done his part. He's already played his part. And all we can hope for is that a new generation will come up, appreciate it, and maybe take what Charlie did and just make it better. Well, I sat down and talked with Charles Band. So here's what he has to say about his legacy through Empire and Full Moon and kind of why Full Moon is in the state that it's in now. Do you think that that your that the fan base, whether it be Empire or Full Moon or even Charles Band Productions from the early seventies, do you think that that fan base has grown with the internet or kind of consolidated? It got dispersed. I think. I mean, I know for a fact because one of the things I did that no one else was doing, since I have this sort of unique brand, is you know, on and off over eight nine years, I went on the road and probably visited I don't know twenty six and. Uh, strike that 200 cities i did something called the uh, the full moon road show where i went to towns and rented theaters or or um, you know depending on the town and the venue i would go and we'd have anywhere from 200 to 800 people show up and i tried to do the best i could to kind of spread the word because basically once the video store started closing uh, and then as of some years ago when the last ones closed and blockbuster and hollywood went out of business the fans didn't know where to find these movies and and as I was doing road shows at the time, the most common question it was, are you guys out of business or are you still making movies? And, and I would say, dude, we, 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 we never stop making movies. It's just there's no place for you to find them. You know, it's one thing going to your local video store and renting a movie for three bucks. Another thing going to Amazon and finding it and spending fourteen ninety five or whatever the hell the price was, you know, to purchase a VHS and then ultimately a DVD. So, I think the demise of the video rental store really, I mean, it killed a lot of people. It really hurt us. Um, And I think the Internet now and the way it's 
finally consolidating uh, for us with our own channels and relationship with Hulu. I think these fans, now older, uh, are, are discovering us again. And, you know, when you really think of it, if you're a member of Prime and you're, everyone's on Amazon, you can, $6.99, you can you know, become a subscriber to Full Moon, our Full Moon channel on Amazon. And, you know, you get my entire life's work. If you have enough time and hours in the day, you can sit there 24-7 and watch 300-odd movies. And plus we've acquired some other films. So maybe there's 400-odd movies up there. And we put up two or three every week. And everything new is premiered there. So, you know, Amazon video, um, Amazon full moon video a subscription, it's, it's, I think it's pulling and, and bringing back people who, they didn't lose their way, nor did we stop making, making movies. It's just there was no more local video store, and, uh, and there was nothing to take its place. So I think, whereas the Internet, to some degree, may have almost killed us, you know, we hung on, and now there's a place where people, if they're into these movies, can go find them at a, at a, at a great price. Back in the old days, you know, it was $2, $3 to rent a movie. If you wanted to rent some, you know, 300 movies, that'd be like a lot of dough. But now for six ninety nine, you can just uh, binge out and watch, you know, every full moon movie I've ever made, dating back to the first movies I made in the 70s. So. One for Empire, one for Full Moon. What do you think is your best Empire film, and what do you think is your best Full Moon film that, that my audience should go and look for? <laughs> You know, it's really, uh, I mean, not to sound silly, but it's, um, you know, it's like talking about your children. You know, I, I, with few exceptions, you know, I've dreamt these movies up. You know, I wrote the storyline. I, I produced them all. I cast them all. I was involved in posting all of them. I directed a ton of them. So it's really hard to go, well, this one is my favorite. I've got maybe five or ten because they all kind of feel alike. and they're, they're the ones that I think are, for me at least, most fun to watch. But Pre-Empire, because i got to start with about 20 movies I made before Empire, I think uh, Laser Blast, as silly as it is in a way, is kind of a cool film made on the heels of Star Wars. So that's kind of a fun one and involves some great stop-motion animation uh, by a fellow named Dave Allen that is no longer with us. As far as Empire, uh, you know, the, man, Ghoulies was kind of fun. You know, it did really well for us. Uh, From Beyond, uh, Trancers with Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt. Uh, really proud of Dolls, a movie, another movie I made with Stuart Gordon. And then, then as we kind of segue into the 90s, yeah, I would say, you know, the first Puppet Master film, for sure. Uh, the subspecies, the whole series is terrific. We shot that in Transylvania, Romania. And we moved later in the 90s. Uh, there's some really odd movies like Head of the Family, which is still one of my favorites. It's an odd movie. It's an acquired taste, but I think if people watch it, they'll go, oh, my God, this movie is, like, really crazy. And then movies like Hideous. And then we have all these new franchises. We're doing great with the Evil Bong franchise. We just made our seventh. It was released on 420. And, yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's, you know, we're, 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 we've got the next 20 films planned, and we're hoping to continue breathing life into these franchises and doing the crossover, which is always fun. And then I've done recently a couple of series that I'm proud of, one called Trophy Head. And the most recent one uh, is called Raven Wolf Towers, sort of a sort of a full moon's Twin Peaks. We shot three episodes, and they're up now, and I'm really happy with the way they turned out. we got four more we'll be shooting this summer. So, yeah, we're just on a crazy roll, and, and it, it does cross over. But to go back to the original question, I think Empire. Empire certainly up to now, you know, so far was the era where, albeit only five, six years because of market conditions and everything else, we had the most money. And I think a lot of those films sort of show it. But I think some of the cooler films weren't that high budget. It's not like more money equals better films, as evidenced by just about every tentpole you go to watch in the last five years. There are a few exceptions there. You know, $200 million movies, you go, oh, my God, what was that we just watched? 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this this month-long look at Charles Band. I hope you go and check out some of the films. I know it's expensive, but that Empire box set Blu-ray is so beautiful, man. It is so amazing to see some of these films like that. And no, I'm not being paid to say that. That is a gorgeous set. Go seek out a lot of the Full Moon films. I, I think they're they're on his streaming site or they're on Amazon. You can check out a lot of these. If you didn't grow up with Full Moon the way we did, look at it from a 90s perspective. Yeah, now the special effects are kind of dated. The stories might be a little bit goofy. We really loved these at the time, and you people need to understand that. It, it, it's kind of like watching Smokey and the Bandit again for a modern audience. You guys kind of had to be there in the 70s, you know? You guys can check out Charlie's stuff over at fullmoondirect.com, or I think they're fullmoonfeatures.com now. Fred, if people would like to contact you, how would they do so? Uh, same as always, I've got the Movie Apocalypse page still over on Facebook. Not a lot going on, but we just started talking to some people about shooting a horror short in the next month. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
or liking someone who is afflicted with an overpowering increase in their sex drive. Lay me down and give me mouth mouth resuscitation. I'm about to OD from this lunar penetration. The tide is coming in with a gush. Up and down. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.